Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host. Steve Robertson here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. Hope things are well with you guys. It's Hump Day on game week. We're almost there. I'm already making my plans for, for the weekend to get to Baton Rouge and cover the ball game and get back. It's going to be a long weekend, but uh, man, we're almost there, kids. We're almost there. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I tell you what, I said from the beginning we would play college football. It has been a wild and winding road, needless to say the least. But uh, thanks to some great leadership in college football, and uh, I limit that really to Greg Sankey and his compatriots in the ACC and to a lesser extent the Big 12. But, uh, you know, if the Big 12 had opted to go along with the Big 10 and the Pac-12, I don't know where we'd be today. So that was an important deal, and some lobbying behind the scene was, t- was taken care of there. But, uh, but here we are, getting ready to play. Bulldogs have a couple more practice sessions to go, and then they will uh, fly down to Baton Rouge, stay in a hotel, and get ready and try and go win a football game on Saturday. On Friday, we'll preview the uh, the weekend, probably record that show Thursday night, and then uh, have it ready for you guys to go on Friday. It's a, it's a busy day for us as we kind of get ready to go. You know, we got a lot going on. We had a lot of content we got to produce, and we're happy to do it because we're talking about football. So I'll probably do that show late Thursday night and then um, have it up for your perusal and listening pleasure on Friday morning. Speaking of pleasure, Bulldog Burger Company, they're here to give you all you want. Go have a great family meal. You can have a date night. You can bring the kids. You can you know, go bring everybody for lunch, get everybody a chocolate shake on the way out, or you can come back in the evening and uh, you know, have an adult beverage, whatever you prefer. A lot of range with Bulldog Burger Company, but you got to have the spring rolls. No matter what time you go or who you have with you, you got to have spring rolls. You know, one of the great delicacies in life is a great restaurant-quality hamburger, and, and, you, and look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. Two great locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Starkville, and they're on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company will have everything you need to have a great night out, man. You can't beat it. Go by, bring a friend, have a great restaurant-quality hamburger, call it a day. And I'm going to tell you this, you're probably going to need a nap when you're done because those portions they give you, when they bring those trays out for the very first time, the look on people's face is almost just, it's like a bewilderment. Like, what? I, I get this many French fries? Are you kidding me? Look, give me a box and we bring some of this stuff home. It's incredible. Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Let's get into a couple things. It's a big show today. Big show. Lots to talk about. And uh, the big news last night, Javoris Selman, 2020 signee from Mississippi State. He had opted out earlier this month, has now elected to transfer. I don't know if that's all official just yet that he's in the, the portal and the paperwork's been done, but he is leaving the program. Uh, I wrote a column earlier today kind of about this because, listen, State's had three guys opt out, and they're all three at the same position. Now, I'm not one of these sour grapes guys who'd be like, oh, well, Javoris Selman – you know, he was probably marginal prospect anyway. Listen, he was bulldog, okay? And so we were counting on him at some point to go make a play for us. And he had done, he'd had a decent camp. His name had kind of been mentioned a few times as a guy. It was you know, kind of flashing out there. Now, be that as it may, his size was always going to be a bit of an issue for us. He was an early commitment to us, committed back in his junior year, stayed with us through the coaching change. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, he was a guy I think is, would probably be a guy considered kind of a squat corner. You know, I don't know that he could match up with the, uh, you know, with the big X and Z receivers in our league. 
but the kid could play. I mean, I, that's the thing that I, I've noticed this, and uh, I can only begin to imagine what some of you say about your exes. Um, you know, the guy opts out, and all of a sudden he transfers, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, this guy's trash. He's not, he's not trash. Javor Selman can play. He's going to Jackson State. You know what? I think you go down there and have a good career. I wish him the absolute best. But my immediate concern is about what does Mississippi State do with its recruiting class now? Yes, this gives you another spot to work with in the overall limit. And, you know, you've got some room already in the annual limit to kind of get the guys you need. But, uh, you know, State's going to be hard-pressed to oversign. It's one of the things that I don't think a lot of people get. So in order for Mississippi State to send a scholarship out on National Signing Day in December, and that's going to happen, we have to have a scholarship spot available. The days of us is, okay, listen, we have 20 spots, we'll sign 25, we'll figure it out, we'll run some kids off. All right, those days are over. Now, I do expect some attrition postseason. I think there'll be some guys that say, you know what, this isn't for me and I'm not going to be able to play here, so I need to go somewhere else that I can. There'll be some guys that will graduate and take the grad transfer uh, option. So, yeah, you got 19 committed now. It's going to settle somewhere around 24 or so, maybe 25 now that we've got an extra spot to work with. But there, again, has to be some more attrition between now and then because, you know, we've only got a handful uh, of spots available out there right now. So don't get too crazy with all that. Uh, But the bigger issue is that Tyler Williams, a projected starter at corner, is out. He will graduate in December. Could be a grad transfer. Could come back to Mississippi State and play again. I I don't expect that to happen. But the, the possibility still remains. That's the, that's the stinging loss for 2020 is you lose a projected guy on your defense, on a defense that's going to have some growing pains this year. And listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you now, get ready. LSU's going to put some points up Saturday. Let that sink in for a second. Okay, we're not going to be a dominant defense on Saturday. LSU's got some talent. We're going to get into some of that later in the show. It's going to probably be a high-scoring game. I don't know if we score enough to win, but I, you know, I, I expect the state to score a little bit. But be that as it may, you know, we've had a couple of scholarship guys, you know, leave the program now uh, at positions of need, not just for now, but for the future. And so you got to address that. I think Justin Wally obviously becomes a bigger, bigger priority. And, and let's and let, let me be honest with you guys here. OK, this whole thing about, you know, opting out and transferring. Don't don't think that your coaches were completely blindsided by this. You know, the news is new to all of us, but don't think for, for a second that your coaches thought, you know, oh, my gosh, what's happening? The sky is falling. That, that's not true. That's just not the reality of things. So uh, we kind of move forward with that. And uh, one of the things, too, that I'm going to go ahead and talk about this because I think it's important. It's, it's a popular topic out there. One of the things about social media, let me, let me say it this way. The best thing about social media is that any of us can use it. We can all get out there and have a platform, make our voice and our thoughts known. We can share pictures of our food. We can you know, put, put a daily picture of our cat. We can have an outfit of the day pick for our dog. We can do whatever we want to do. We can follow people that we like. We can block people that we don't. We can block opinions that don't fit our own. We can do it all. We can do what we want to do. The worst thing about social media is that everybody can use it. And there are a lot of people that, that they exercise the right to be wrong regularly. It is, it is absolutely insanity what I read sometimes on Facebook. You know, and it's one of those things, if, if I ever want to feel a little bit better about myself, let me just go get on Facebook. And so I read with great interest 
And a lot of these people said, oh, well, Deion Sanders gets a coach at Jackson State. They're going to start stealing these Danny Dozen-type kids from State and Ole Miss. No, they're not. And that's not a slide at Deion Sanders. And listen, does I, I think he'll open up the door for them to get some better players. And, and, and here's the rub with all that, too. And I don't think people really fully appreciate that. I touched on this earlier in the week. If you got guys out there that have grades but are not getting the offers that they want, the Mississippi Junior College system offers them a tremendous opportunity. They can go play for a year or two, kind of elevate their stock as a prospect, get a little more seasoning as a player, sometimes get ahead academically, and then they kind of transform into a Division I prospect. And so that's kind of the recruiting pitch for the junior college program. So you know what? Hey, look, here's the deal. You know what? State don't miss me. I want you right now. You come in here and spend a couple of years with us, they will. And if they don't, somebody like them will, will as well. So you're going to have an opportunity to go to a major college. You come here and you put in your time, you work hard for two years, or in some cases one, and then you're going to be able to go and play potential Power 5 football or at least a great G5 school somewhere. And so you see that as a launching pad. And so there are a lot of guys out there that believe in themselves and say, you know what, I'm not ready to go play FCS football. And that's not a slide at HBCUs at all. They say, you know what, I think that I've got a chance. If I go to junior college, I could play in the SEC or I could play in the Big 12 because they're, all be looking, they're always looking for these guys that can kind of plug and play. And so I'll put in my time in JUCO and then get a chance to go. Now, if you sign with an FCS school, you know, there is not that, that probability. And nobody's going to come recruit you off an active roster. I mean, I, I guess – you know, recent events would suggest that that's possible. But uh, be that as it may, when you sign with an FCS school, you're locked in with them, unless you end up being a grad transfer. And so, you know, the hope of extending your recruitment is kind of gone. There's also the facility standpoint. And listen, I, I read some things earlier that I agree with. You know, if you're if, – if, if a lot of these guys, like let's, let's say rural Mississippi, okay, let's say you got some guys – and I always seem like I always mention Wiggins, and I get messages from people from Wiggins. Why are you down on Wiggins? I'm not down on Wiggins. I'm not. I went to Flint Creek Water Park many times as a kid. I'm not down on Wiggins at all. Got a nice little downtown area down there, nice little cafe. Going to have a soup and sandwich. I've been there. So let's just say you're from Bug Tussle, Mississippi, because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Let's say you're from Bug Tussle. Bug Tussle, Mississippi, uh, you know, they have, uh, you know, Hazard County High School, consolidated high school there. And so you have a guy that has kind of grown up without a lot of facilities. He just kind of got by on being country strong, and now all of a sudden he's an athlete. Well, when he goes and shows up on the Jackson State campus, it's like the Taj Mahal to him. You know, I, re- I remember going to see Gabe Jackson when uh, he was at Liberty at Amy County. And uh, they didn't have enough weights in the weight room for, for Gabe to really get in all the, the work he needed to get done. So the guy goes and gets a shopping cart, some abandoned shopping cart in a ditch, and he puts some old motor parts in it, and he puts a harness on it, and he drags that thing around the practice field. He did what he had to do. So if, when you've got guys out there that are kind of working with these rudimentary workout programs, they show up at Jackson State and think, man, this is great. This is great. And then they go to State or Ole Miss, and they're thinking, Wow. This is heaven. And so, yeah, for a lot of those guys that don't get SEC interest, this is a great thing. And, again, listen, I want Jackson State to win. My hope is that the SWAC will eventually 
uh, get competitive enough to get back into the FCS playoff because I believe with the right coaching, we've got enough Mississippi athletes to do a great job and really compete uh, you know, for an FCS championship. I mean, and my hope is that's, that's what happens at Jackson State. But there are a lot of these people, and all of a sudden they see Javar Selman. See, I told you so. You may have told us so, but it's not so. What you're saying is not so. Javar Selman didn't just wake up one day and says, you know what, I'm going to leave the SEC, and I'm going to go play for Deion Sanders. I mean, that, that's just not – that wasn't in the thought process. And, again, I wish both of them the best. I hope Javar has an All-American career down there and goes to the National Football League, and I hope Deion goes undefeated. But there is this sentiment out there, and, again, this is my opinion – but it's somewhat of an educated opinion. There are a lot of people that, you know, they say, hey, well, this is going to be problems for State or Ole Miss. You know, listen, it's probably more of a problem for our junior colleges. It's probably more of a problem for Southern Miss in some respects. But, listen, every college recruit in the country, with rare exception, expects to be a D1 guy. That's their hope. Their hope is to play Division I. Their hope is to go play in bowl games. Their hope is to be on television. Their hope is to do these other things uh, that kind of go along with having a platform of being in an FBS school. That's the reality of the situation. Now, when I was a young man, I guess I'll just say when I was a kid, you know, growing up in Columbia, Mississippi, the Soul Bowl in our classrooms you know, when I was in middle school and high school, it, it was as big a deal as the Egg Bowl was to the student population at Columbia High School and Jefferson Middle School. And there were a lot of them. my classmates did not have an in-state favorite between State or Ole Miss. They just kind of went with whoever was winning. But when it came down to Jackson State and Alcorn, man, it was vicious, man. I mean, there'd be side bets and people would wear their school colors every day. It, it, it was as evident in our, in our hallways as State and Ole Miss was. There was a lot of Southern Miss, too. But it was a big deal. I mean, the Soul Bowl was huge, huge. And there were a lot of my classmates, their dads, their uncles, had played at Jackson State or Alcorn, so it added a little local color to things. And, you know, in my hometown, you know, we had, uh, you know, we had a guy named Walter Payton. You might remember him. Went and played at Jackson State. Him and his brother Eddie both. So our town kind of skewed in that direction. And we had Joe Owens who played at Alcorn and ended up playing in the National Football League. We had Joe Freelix. You know, you can run all down the list. There are a lot of players from my hometown that, that and, I, and I, I would like to say they chose to go to an HBCU, but sadly, many of them were forced to go to HBCUs because they weren't recruited, because it was a different day and time back then. It's not that they didn't have the talent to go play in the SEC. They just weren't given the opportunity. But it was huge. And there, there are some pockets in our state that they don't really concern themselves with SEC football. They just don't. And, you know, I know a lot of those guys, you know, like, uh, you know, Jimmy Smith's a guy that, uh, you know, had a son who played at Madison Central and, and really didn't, you know, Jimmy was a, an HBCU uh, success story. But there are a lot of guys out there that say, you know what, I, I want – a bigger and better opportunity. And the reality of the situation is it is a bigger and better opportunity. It just simply is. That's not to say that Deion Sanders won't get some doors open. And I think Jackson State will recruit at a level they haven't in recent years. And a lot of that's been, you know, because of the administration there. Now, when it comes to Mississippi players, I'm, 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 I'm going to give you a hot take that maybe people hadn't thought about. 
Deion Sanders is not going to get kids, any more kids in Mississippi than Tony Hughes did when he was there. Tony Hughes knows every backwoods, every high school, every cafeteria worker, every ticket taker, everybody in this state knows Tony Hughes. And I can promise you Tony Hughes and his staff had a tremendous recruiting plan when they were there. Now, where I think Deion Sanders makes a big difference when it comes to recruiting is out of state. All of a sudden, let's say if you're thinking about going to Alabama A&M or you're going to go to you know, Arkansas Pine Bluff or whatever, well, I think I'd rather go to Jackson State and play with primetime and live in a major city. And listen, Jackson has its share of problems, but all big cities do. But for those people to suggest that all of a sudden Jackson State is going to start challenging State and Ole Miss for players, it's just kind of short-sighted. Will there be some exceptions? Absolutely. You know, because Jackson State uh, and Arkansas to a lesser extent, you know, they, they get some pretty good basketball players. They do, but uh, don't let the people on Facebook lie to you either. You know, Jackson State's not beating out Illinois and Kentucky and Indiana, and, and for that respect, Mississippi State or Ole Miss. It just, it just, it is a different league. It is a different level. And I, there, listen, there will be a lot of people out there. I think, especially with the uh, unrest in our our country right now, and say, you know what, I'm I'm going to give an HBCU a longer look. I can't say that I blame them. Everybody has to make their own personal decisions. But uh, Jackson State's not going to win head-to-head battles very often with Mississippi State or Ole Miss, if at all. I don't care who the coach is. You could put Bill Belichick down there. I don't think it's going to make any difference. But, again, again, I wish Deion Sanders the absolute best. I think it is a really cool thing. As a matter of fact, I have an autographed picture of Deion Sanders on my wall in my office just behind me when he was in Atlanta Brave. I've got a picture of him and – Signed the S with a dollar sign. So I'm a prime fan. Loved him when he was with the Falcons. Wanted to go get an Atlanta Falcons uh, hockey jersey like MC Hammer wore in the Pumps and a Bump video because I wanted to rep Dion. Love Dion. I do. And I think that a lot of his takes about sports are absolutely correct. And he will give Jackson State a much bigger profile. But um, you know, to think that a lot of SEC players are going to say, you know what, I think I'll go there you're not looking at the infrastructure. You're just looking at the flash and the dash of the hire. You're not looking long-term, looking at the big picture. That's my opinion, and I'm pretty solid with it, and nobody can talk me out of it. If you disagree, that's fine, too. You're welcome to be wrong. All right, so let's get into uh, today's top ten list, brought to you by the good folks at MyBookie. We are now officially in fall, and uh, make it a windfall for yourself. It's fall. It means football season's here. It feels like we should be throwing football around right now. Go to my bookie and uh, new customers receive a hundred percent deposit match. That's up to a thousand bucks. So you put in a hundred bucks, you get an extra hundred bucks to play with. So you double your money right out of the gate. And that's, that's up to a thousand bucks. My bookie can only mean one thing for you in this fall, and that's going to be the winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and much, much more. At my bookie, the winning season is all about you and your chance to win big. You can bet NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some craziest sports season of your life is here. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash, invest in your own intuition, select from hundreds of future bets, or you can just uh, bet games in real time with my bookies live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use and use promo code BONEYARD to double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to sports you love and the games you bet on. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await you. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Promo code BONEYARD. So I've had a lot of traffic here as of late with um, 
about the the the, the, uh, the top ten list. I mean, uh, a lot of reaction to the uh, female R&B list. A lot of people said Stevie didn't put Whitney Houston. I don't see Whitney as an R&B artist. Maybe I'm wrong. I saw her more as a top 40 artist, more of adult contemporary. Uh, no disrespect intended. One of the greatest voices of my lifetime. So sad that she's uh, no longer with us. But uh, an immense talent. Absolutely incredible talent. So no disrespect intended to Whitney Houston. And I had multiple people reach out and say, Steve, how could you not do this? And as I predicted, some people thought I had Lauren Hill too low. Well, okay. That's, that's fine. Also had a lot of reaction to the power ballads list because, you know, I ranked the bands. I didn't rank the songs. And I had multiple people reach out and say, hey, Steve, what are your favorite power ballads? And so I'm going to go ahead and define what that is now. Let's go ahead and thank uh, our friend Michael Wright for bringing this up and encouraging me to revisit the topic. And, Mike, you were the first one. Probably had a half dozen more people said, hey, you kind of took the easy way out by not picking a song. I disagree, but it gives us a chance to have a secondary list. But um, So here's the thing that I'll say. A power ballad is from a metal group. It is from a hard rock group. There are a lot of people that write ballads, but if they're not tuning it down and kind of, you know, you know what I'm saying, if, they, if you rock and then you do a ballad, then it's a power ballad. There are a lot of people like, you know, Celine Dion sings ballads, but there's no power behind that other than her own voice. You understand what I'm saying? And so... What, what made the power ballad so cool is you had people that, uh, you know, had long hair and, and we all looked like we were, you know, right out of a biker gang and, and uh, the Hells Angels. And then all of a sudden they're singing these sensitive songs about love and that sort of stuff. And so that to me, that typifies the power ballad. You, gotta, it, you, you can't just write power ballads. You got to rock the rest of the time. Okay, so you guys are in the right hands. A lot of people sent me their list. I made my own. This is probably the most honorable mentions I've ever had, okay? So bear with me. I'll get to these quickly, and we'll get to the top ten. Then we'll get to our LSU preview, and then that's going to recap some things KJ Costello had to say, some things I think are rather ingenious. All right, so um, honorable mentions, my favorite power ballads. And listen, this is all from the 80s and early 90s, okay? Don't, don't hit me back later. And like, Steve... You, you forgot this band from six months ago. No, these are from basically mid-80s through the early 90s when heavy metal ruled the world. Uh, honorable mention for I Still Think About You from Danger Danger. Great band, underappreciated. It's a great, great tune. I'll See You in My Dreams from Giant. They were a bit of a one-hit wonder, but I love that song. One of my favorites, and I probably should have put this in the top ten, but I just couldn't find a way to reshuffle it, is Save Your Love by Great White. Tremendous Jack Russell song. Uh, Patience by Guns N' Roses. Recently recovered by Chris Cornell. Did a great rendition, changed the arrangement, made it sound like a completely different song. And Patience is a tremendous love song. One day go look at the words. You know, don't just think about Axl Rose. Go look at the words. It's, it's basically poetry. Don't Close Your Eyes from Kicks. I love that whole album, man. That whole Blow My Fuse album. The whole thing start to finish is great. Uh, kind of off the beaten path here. How about Lady by the Christian metal group Striper. How about that? I remember driving home, and I won't say who, because uh, she's married to a guy from my hometown now, but I, I was dating a girl in Jeff Davis County. And I remember I discovered this song on the way home after dropping her off. We had a date, and I uh, thought it was perfect. And on my way home, I meant those words uh, more than any point in my life. I'd listened to that song in a long time. We've all moved on. Uh, how about Is This Love from Whitesnake? Love, I love Whitesnake. I do. I love David Coverdale. Great blues singer. 
you should like it as well. Uh, I Need You Now by Alias, a bit of a one-hit wonder. And the guy, that, the singer for Alias was also in Sheriff. And uh, at one time had the Guinness Book of World Records longest held note in the song When I'm With You by Sheriff. Great tune. That's on the list too. Honorable mention to Sheriff. Uh, here's one you may not know. Waiting in Vain by a band called Cold Sweat. It's a, uh, Mark Ferrari was a guitar player who was, would keel at one time, went solo and put a band together. And ironically, Oni Logan who ended up being a singer for Lynch Mob, was the original singer for Cold Sweat. And then he jumped out, and the joke was, and, I, and this is what Eddie Truck had told me, is that when George Lynch went to recruit Oni Logan away from Cold Sweat, he goes, well, you can be in a band called Ferrari, which is what Cold Sweat was initially called, or you can be in my band and drive a Ferrari, which is great. Great. Thanks for the note, Eddie. Uh, Love Bites from Def Leppard. Still Loving You from The Scorpions. Fly to the Angels by Slaughter, Mark Slaughter. Met him recently. Great guy. One of the best. I think he's a five-octave voice. Incredible singer. Here's another one off the beaten path. Lost Without Your Love by a band called T&T. Tony Harnell, one of my favorite singers from the 80s. That They, were, they didn't have a great production deal. Uh, I guess the album Intuition was probably their first major record, but that Tell No Tales album is incredible. But Lost Without Your Love is on the first album, and that's, I guess, Nights of the New Thunder, and you can check that out. Probably have to find it on YouTube. Um, let's see. How about Forever from Kiss? I don't think that song got enough credit. That was a good tune. Another one, a lot of people would go with Alone Again from Dokken. I'm not going with that Alone Again. I'm going with Slipping Away. Earlier in the catalog, go, go check it out. I thought Don did a great job on that one. Uh Trickster was a bit of a one-hit wonder, but I love the song Surrender from them. And then, arguably, one of the best songs that most people never heard is Jelly Roll by Blue Murder. You'll check it out. Man, the last two minutes of that song is incredible. The whole song is about heartbreak, but it starts and it's all upbeat and happy, and all of a sudden, you know, the girl breaks up with him, and he spends the last two minutes of the song um, talking about how only love can break your heart. Great song. If you're looking to add a song to your catalog that maybe you're unfamiliar with, uh, go back and get them all. But uh, Jelly Roll from Blue Murder is one of those songs, man. That uh, And John Sykes is the leader of that group. If you like the uh, Slide It In album from Whitesnake and the self-titled album that came out in 87, John Sykes wrote most of that music. All right, here's the top ten list. All right, number ten for me, Ballad of Jane by L.A. Guns. Dig Phil Lewis, Tracy Guns, Ballad of Jane's a cool tune. Uh, number nine, Firehouse. No, I didn't go with yours. I went with When I Look Into Your Eyes, which I think is a wonderful song. Number eight, I Remember You from the Skids, Skid Row. And listen, I could go a lot of different directions with, with Sebastian Bach and Skid Row. There are so many great songs there. They need to get back together. Check Your Egos, Bass. Sabo, Rachel, and get back together. The world needs a Skid Row reunion. If Guns N' Roses can figure it out and Motley Crue can figure it out, Skid Row can figure it out. Uh, number seven, I went with Winger's Miles Away. I almost went with uh, One Condition, but uh, Miles Away, great tune. Number six, Poisons, Every Rose Has Its Thorn. I kind of held my nose when I did it, but I have to admit it's a wonderful, wonderful song. Uh, number five, I'll Never Let You Go by Steelheart. One of the best vocalists, had a tragic accident, but a great, great, great song. Number four, 
a song we hadn't talked about before. How about Close My Eyes Forever with Lita Ford and Ozzy Osbourne? Man, when I was in high school, when that thing broke, man, it's like all of the rocker chicks immediately started spiking their hair up like Lita Ford. I mean, immediately. Lita Ford was a great musician, but that's probably her signature song. You know, Kiss Me Deadly is one that's really good, too. But um, having to do that with Ozzy Osbourne in the late 80s, it's about as good as it gets. Number three, What You Give by Tesla. I think one of the greatest songs ever is What You Give by Tesla. And uh, listen, Tesla kind of owned the genre for a while about writing those great tear-jerking type ballads, man. A great positive band. One of my favorite bands of all time. One of my favorite tracks from the band Tesla. Number two, Home Sweet Home from Motley Crue. You know I had to get the crew in there somewhere. You were probably thinking, well, what's he going to go with crew? Crew's going to be number one. No, crew's not number one. But Home Sweet Home, when, uh, when that broke off Theater of Pain, it, it was a game changer for Motley Crue. The cover of Smoking in the Boys' Room was the first single off the Theater of Pain album, but Home Sweet Home is the song off Theater of Pain. But number one for me, and I know most people wouldn't pick this, and I'm okay with that because it is my show and my list, it's Heartbreak Station from Cinderella. Uh, I told you I'm a sucker for sad love songs. I think Cinderella's, you know, I, I could have gone, don't know what you got to it's gone. I like Heartbreak Station a little bit better. Tom Kiefer, great songwriter. Married an old Miss Girl. We'll forgive him for that. But uh, listen, Tom, thanks for uh, all the great tunes over the years. You'll be thanking yourself when you go to DraftKings. There's so much to go, to go into all this thing with the NFL. You know, it's nice. Look, NFL is just one of those things, like, there are so many games that are televised, and you're not quite as emotionally invested in all of them. It's nice to have a little skin in the game. And so, you know, last week was a great week. Now it's time to kind of get ready to go again. There's no better place to get into all of that than DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tecovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. 
And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tecovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovas.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. DraftKings has a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes for you up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup and you can feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more to you when you're invested with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing about cold hard cash. Download the DraftKings app right now and use promo code BONEYARD. For a limited time, new users can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week three action. Enter code BONEYARD to get that free shot. That's code BONEYARD, only at DraftKings. Make it rain for yourself. There's a minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions may apply. See DraftKings.com for further details. All right. All right, let's talk a little bit about the LSU Tigers. So the first thing that I want to say, and I think everybody, this has been well documented, LSU has had a tremendous negative offseason. They've had all kinds of stuff going on. They have. Got the NCAA investigation uh, into basketball. Some of that's bled over to football. And LSU's trying to kind of get the cases severed. Uh, I'm, I'm confident the NCAA will probably stick to their guns. And I, cause I think they're going to want to hit them with lack of institutional control. And if you can show a pattern of behavior over multiple sports, it's a lot easier to do that before the committee on infractions. So you've had that go on. In addition to that, you've had, um, you know, just an exodus from Baton Rouge and of the good variety. It's people leaving on for, uh, you know, for, for better opportunities. And that's not to slight LSU, but, you know, guys moving on, taking, you know, uh, you know, pay raises and bigger jobs and bigger responsibilities like we saw with Joe Brady and Dave Aranda gets a head coaching job at Baylor. And, and you see a lot of guys opt for the draft. And so that's the byproduct of winning. Winning makes you a lot of enemies, but it also gives you a lot of opportunities. And so LSU is kind of dealing with that. And it, it is a rebuild year for them. But a rebuild year for LSU is still probably seven and three, six and four. You know, that's not, not like it would be at some other places. They still recruit at such a high level. But they have had a tremendous amount of losses. As you guys know, Joe Burrow had the greatest season in the history of college football last year. And I don't know that I have ever seen a player make a jump from a junior to senior year like we saw with Joe Burrow. It was absolutely incredible. And a lot of that goes to Joe's work ethic, but also to Joe Brady's influence. And so Joe Burrow and Brady both, now thankfully both in the National Football League, it doesn't mean that LSU is devoid of talent. They are. They, they certainly have some talent. Miles Brennan, product of St. Stanislaus, expected to start at quarterback. Uh, did not get a lot of playing time last year. Did play some. 
completed 24 or 40 passes for one touchdown, one interception, 353 yards. And when you've got a guy like Joe Burrow out there, I mean, let's be honest, Miles not going to play a whole lot. But he did. And it's going to be important for Mississippi State to get a lot of pressure on him. He, he's played some. He's been around some. But he hadn't been out there and kind of faced the bullets like, uh, you know, a lot of other p- players have. I mean, so you got to get in his head. you got to confuse him some. you got to try to force him into some mistakes. And you know that's Zach Arnett's job one is make the quarterback uncomfortable. you got to get in there. you got to pressure him and hope he can turn the football over. And that's what State's issues in the secondary. And when I've talked about it for two months now, it's going to be – a difficult year defensively in many respects, especially that secondary. We've got some talent back there on the first team, but there's not a lot of depth. And so those first team guys are going to have to grow up pretty quick. Now, we, we talk about Martin Emerson so much because he played so well last year. People forget he was an, a freshman All-America mentioned last year. But he started five games. He didn't become the starter until Mari Smithman went down with an ACL injury. And so – there's not a lot of starts out there. Marcus Murphy's a guy that we all know well. We know what he's capable of doing. But what he play in five games last year? You know, that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, yeah, we have some talent that we're aware of. But a lot of these guys haven't really been through the wars yet. And so they're going to have to get game ready very, very quickly. And LSU is going to come out chunking the football. You, better, you might as well get ready for that. Now, they're not going to have the same proficiency that they had a year ago. But they are who they are. Running game is interesting. You know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has moved on and now, uh, you know, starting for the Kansas City Chiefs. They do bring Chris Curry back, and he was uh, he was a guy that played really well in the Peach Bowl for him last year, you know, in the FBS playoff. And so we'll see John Emery some, I'm sure. But uh, make no mistake, LSU four-star loaded at running back. You know, it, and it's going to be really about how do they block? How can they run block against the state front? Will State have a bunch of run blitzes? What, what will we do? You know, um, But LSU doesn't have a lot of experience back on the offensive line. That's just the reality of it. So there are going to be some growing pains for them too, and hopefully we can kind of confuse them and kind of get some guys in gaps and get the guys coming free into the backfield. Wide receiver for them is a much different deal. You know, Jamar Chase, uh, Justin Jefferson had uh, – two of the greatest seasons in the history of the SEC. Of course, uh, Jamar Chase wins the, wins the uh, Bolitnikoff. Between the two of them, it's like 3,300 yards receiving and 38 touchdowns, and that's gone. Now, they do return Terrace Marshall, who is an absolute stud. Mississippi State recruited him. But listen, the bottom line was once LSU decided they really wanted him, they got, it, they got the deal done. You know, Terrace Marshall last year, 46 catches, 671 yards, 13 touchdowns. He's the big daddy. But he's not the only one. You, you can't just shade coverage to his side and say, okay, all right, we'll shut him down, make somebody else beat us, because they have some other guys who are capable of beating you, especially when you're in experienced secondary. Racy McMath returns. He's a senior. You remember State recruited him and recruited him, and we were in good shape, thought we were going to get him until LSU got serious about him. And that's what happens in Louisiana. You know, when you, know, you can recruit these guys, but, uh, you know, an LSU will let you lead a lap or two, but when it comes time to finish the deal, they get it done. They do. It's just I mean, it's every one of those kids grows up wanting to go to LSU. And uh, all of their friends and their neighbors and their classmates and, you know, the old men down at the barbershop, they all dream to play at LSU too. And so it's a, it's a difficult thing to go against your friends and neighbors. And, you know, it's just hard to do that. And it's not that these kids are being held hostage. They're getting a great opportunity to LSU. I mean, don't, don't mistake that at all. I, mean, I lived in Baton Rouge for 
you know, 16 years, lived in Louisiana 18 and, and all, but I, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, it's like there is a um, – there is, I hate to, to use the word cultish, but um, that's probably appropriate. I mean, it's LSU all the time. I mean, like if you go play church league softball and uh, you wear a Mississippi State hat – and you fly out in a ball game. Somebody's going to give you an LSU comment. I mean, it's just you know, they are. I don't know that there is a fan base as loyal as LSU. I just, I just don't. And and so all of those fans around the state, they expect those kids to go to LSU. And that's not to suggest that everybody's doing something unscrupulous. That's not what I'm trying to say. But when everybody you grew up with wears purple and gold and cheers for the Tigers, and all of a sudden you get a chance to go be a Tiger, that's a lot for a young man to walk away from. It really is. The racing new math last year uh, kind of lost in a shuffle a little bit. 17 grabs, 285 yards, and three touchdowns. Here's the name. There's a couple of names you need to be familiar with because that's the thing everybody says is, man, look at who all they lost. Man, look at who they brought in. You got Arik Gilbert coming in, the five-star number one tight end in the country last year. And so here, here is where I think that's relevant, not just because he's ultra-talented, but there are a lot of times he's going to be paired up with a safety which could be London Craft, and so we have we don't know much about London Craft. He's you know he's an untapped commodity in many respects. Of course, his teammates are talking him up pretty well. Hope to talk to Jason Washington this evening and be able to kind of get some, uh, you know, some you know I guess some comments about you know what did London Craft do to win the job? And listen, he's earned the job. He's won the job. I, I don't care if it's a scholarship guy or not. I want the guy out there making plays. And if Jason Washington. And Zach Arnett say, you know what, this is our guy. Then that's our guy. And so there's all this, you know, social media message board commentary, and many of it in some respects disrespectful to London Craft. London Craft is a Mississippi State Bulldog. We've had other walk-ons before. You remember Ben Beckwith? Remember him? Everybody loved Big Ben and the, the great beard and getting the pictures and everything. Ben Beckwith was a walk-on too. Ben Beckwith was a starter at Mississippi State. So who's to say London Craft won't be the next Ben Beckwith? Ben Beckwith was a multi-time all, uh, SEC offensive lineman of the week. Who's to say London Craft can't do something similar? And again, remember, we're paying these guys, we're paying millions of dollars, paying Mike Leach over $5 million, and uh, with the staff, you know, other salaries. I mean, you know, we're very invested in, in this staff. And if they say London Craft can play, then London Craft can play. We're not conducting a poll. Mike Leach didn't reach out and say, hey, guys, can, can you put a Twitter poll together and ask us who should start at safety? No. But if that kid has done it in practice, if he has stood out and he has earned the job, then he deserves our respect. But he's going to have to earn it in week one because LSU is going to throw deep early and often. You might as well get ready for that. And, again, the best way to protect a young and inexperienced secondary is to bring the heat. Kaysan Bouti is a freshman coming in, going number one. A lot of people like him. A lot of people say he's the next big one. He's like that next generation of LSU receivers. They say he's the guy. that he, He'll be the guy that everybody's talking about here in about two years. Freshman All-American candidate. We mentioned offensive line. They basically just returned the one starter on the offensive line. You had some early declarations, had some graduation stuff. But, you know, LSU always has bodies. I mean, they, they do. Uh, Austin Deculus returns at right tackle. I kind of like the whole idea of bringing some pressure off the weak side with Aaron Brule. Deculus probably the guy. He's going to start, obviously, but uh, don't know if he's uh, quite ready for us to overload that side. Dare Rosenthal is going to be the starting left tackle. We actually had Dare Rosenthal come to uh, 
you know, I used to do those combines down in South Mississippi. Had him come to Brookhaven one time and uh, when he was an underclassman and got a chance to see him then, and he was amazing. You know, you see a big guy that, you know, with that length and that build, and you think, how's a guy this big moving that fluidly? He'll be at left tackle, but it's going to be a different deal. He backed up Sadiq Charles last year, but uh, listen, it's this LSU offensive line is going to get peppered a little bit too. I mean, you know, pe- people say, well, you know, Mississippi State's uh, learning a new scheme. You know, LSU's facing a new scheme, and you can say what you want. You don't know, you don't know what Zach Arnett's going to call. You have no clue. Absolutely no clue. And so there's the element of surprise, too. And, and for an inexperienced offensive line, I think maybe we can confuse them a little bit. And, and that's the thing. They're going, to be, they're going to be trying to do the, you know, the big five release and try to get guys out in coverage and, and uh, kind of negate some of the pass rush. And so that's kind of one of those, you know, irresistible force against the immovable object. You know, if we are bound to determine that we're going to blitz and they're bound to determine to put five guys out in the pass pattern, then at least one guy that's coming free. Where he's coming from kind of remains to be seen. Uh, defensively, LSU loses a ton. Uh, I think I saw yesterday they lost, uh, what, their, their top 13 tacklers from a year ago. I think that's right. Or maybe 12 or 13 top tacklers. And Derek Stingley returns. Derek Stingley is incredible. Could have probably, if he was eligible to be drafted this year, probably a first-round pick. Phenomenal athlete. Probably need to stay away from him as much as we can. Uh, but listen, they're going to be good in the secondary. Uh, they are. You know, Jacoby's back, and then uh, Todd Jones is going to play some. I think his speed's a bit of a question mark. And maybe we can make some plays over the top. And that's the thing, too. Mike Leach is going to scheme LSU to death. He is absolutely going to scheme him to death. And it's probably going to take a quarter to kind of figure out how they're wanting to do things. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an interesting first quarter. And that's what I think. In order for State to stay in the game and have a chance to win it, we got to survive the first quarter. I don't know that we got to win the first quarter. we got to survive it. We can't go out there and get down, you know, 14, 21, nothing. You know, we get down by more than two scores early, it's going to be tough. Now, granted, we're going to throw the football a lot. That's one thing that we're going to talk about after the next break in the next segment. Uh, it's what that does to a defense over time. Now, this LSU deal, they're, they're vulnerable probably in the front seven. The secondary is as athletic as anybody in, in the country in the secondary. But we're going to throw the football. And, listen, we're not, we're not just going to go out there and just, you know, throw the Hail Mary, you know, over and over and over again. We're going to make those guys play in space. We're going to spread them out. We're going to make them win some one-on-ones. And as long as K.J. Costello's ball placement is good, State's going to win some of those. And then you're going to have some guys miss some tackles, and everybody's going to be spread out. Next thing you know, it's going to be, you know, a a foot race to the end zone. But uh, I'm eager to see how LSU matches up against Mississippi State from pass rushing standpoint because that's the thing, too. You lose so much on the defensive line, and now all of a sudden you're seeing something that you really never see with these extended splits. And listen, this Mississippi State offensive line, they're very, very talented, very, very athletic. I'm eager to see how Cole Smith handles things down there. And Cole Smith's had a couple of years now in the Mississippi State weight room. It'll be a little emotional, I'm sure. But I know he's going to be fired up and ready to go. And listen, Cole's not, Cole's not the rah-rah guy, okay? But Cole Smith grew up going to Mississippi State games, went down there, now he's here. And he's worked hard and won the starting center spot. Listen, I've already read some negative comments about him over on the LSU boards. I'm talking about Cole Smith. Hey, you know, listen. As, as, as excited as LSU people are when a Louisiana kid stays home, we are too. We're, we're happy. 
when a kid sees the errors of his ways and says, you know what, I'm a Bulldog. I need to beat Mississippi State. So he's our kid now. So when you talk about him, you're talking about us. And, again, the guy that's worthy of our respect. Speaking of your respect, Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of the show, man. Great people, Stan the Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Everybody there will treat you like family because you are family. Go by now and get some new gear to outfit your family for next weekend. And, and you know, maybe if you're having a, a, a party this weekend, you need some new, new threads for that too. But for those of you that are going to be fortunate enough to be at Davis Wade Stadium next weekend, you don't need to show up in the same old stuff. Go get some new Mississippi State gear. Visit them at campusbookmart.net. We'll save you a little cash for being a loyal Bondyard listener. It's BSR, promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders, over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. All right, so let's get into some things that K.J. Costello had to say. K.J. has met with the media a couple times. You know, in the beginning, Mike Leach was a little bit, uh, I guess, hesitant to make the quarterbacks available until the quarterback, until the quarterback um, competition was completed. And he still has not outright said, okay, K.J. is 100% the starter. But he did say K.J. is going to start. Uh, but it's just been kind of interesting. It, I mean, it has been a little interesting because I think we've all known exactly what's going to happen. But um, K.J. made some comments yesterday I thought were rather interesting. He says, and again, Stanford played against Washington State three times when he was there. So he got to see it firsthand. And he mentioned, you know, these are guys in practice that I know that I work with every day at Stanford. They were talented. But you begin to see them break down over the course of a game. When Mike Leach spreads you out and they run you and run you and run you and run you and run you to death, he goes, you know, early in the ball game, you know, the pass routes might be somewhat even. Or maybe you've got a half step on a DB. But over the course of the game, it becomes this battle of attrition. And now all of a sudden, the Mississippi State wide receivers are going to have a step or two beyond the DBs. He mentioned the check down. He goes, you know, you know, before you'd have a linebacker out there basically smothering a running back. But over the course of the game, these guys begin to break down and wear down. Now all of a sudden, you've got a yard or two between them. And so that's the whole thing with the Mike Leach offense. Is his approach is the long game. Hey, if we come out there and get a big start, that's even better. But over the course of a game, he is going to tax people's depth. He's going to tax their conditioning. He's going to attack their physical fitness. And that's the thing that you wonder about with LSU, especially with all these opt-outs. And you've had some guys at the beginning of camp that were running, you know, with second team, now they're first team. Uh, you know, and what kind of shape have they been in? And then you had Orgeron brags that, uh, you know, 65 70% of the team has been contracted with COVID. So are those guys going to be at 100%? Is their strength and conditioning at 100%? Is their physical fitness at 100%? Well, we're about to find out. And that's the thing, too, you think about. We hear all the time about Mike Leach and his practices and about how our receivers run 8, 9, 10 miles a day. And that was the thing he said to you with Garrett. Garrett's not used to running that much, and so Garrett had to kind of get up to speed. And so our DBs and our receivers are going to be in great shape because they have run and run and run and run and run. And you know when they get water? When they're at the back of the line. After the rep is over, they go back and get, get back in line to run the next rep, and they get water. We don't go have these 25-minute water breaks and call ourselves practicing. We make good use of the time that we have. 
And so over the course of the ball game, all of a sudden we're going to rotate eight receivers out there. And so you've been chasing Terrell, Sha- Terrell Shavers over and over and over and over again. And then we rotate out, we bring in Osiris Mitchell, and you're chasing him over and over and over again. Well, at some point, when you start chasing those deep routes, it's going to catch up with you. And all of a sudden, you've got to tap on your helmet, you got to come out, and all of a sudden, they've got to bring somebody else in. Maybe that guy's not quite as good. And then all of a sudden, we go get him. Then you've got to put the guy back out there. And then we run him and run him and run him and run him and run him. You know, it's, like that's, it's almost like we, we talk about how the run game wears people down. You have heard every color commentator in the industry say, well, that run will be – that two-yard gain will be five yards in the second half because eventually people get tired of tackling. Eventually people get beat up. They get bruised up. They get dinged up. And they're a little more reluctant to stick their face in the fan. And so the carries get longer. It's the same thing with the Mike Leach passing offense, except you're wearing down the back seven. Not to mention, think about that front four – you're going to go out there, and it's like the Space Invaders front, right? Everybody's all stretched out there across. And so, you know, your steps are going to be very important. You know, before you're used to, okay, we're coming off this edge, and it, now it takes forever to get to the quarterback. And we're looking to get the ball out quick, and we've got a, a grad transfer quarterback. It's already thrown for 6,200 yards and a power five. He's just not going to send it there like a statue and kind of hope for the best. And so eventually – that weighs on people. Eventually, it gets to them. That's kind of the, the, the nuance of this whole Mike Leach offense. It's not just about, hey, we're going to throw it a bunch of times. We're going to wear you out. We're going to have your tongues dragging by the end of the ball game. And, you know, you, you're going to have to outscore us. And, and, and maybe right now, because our defense is young and inexperienced, maybe you, maybe you can. But we're going to run our offense. And over the course of the game, at some point, you're going to get tired. We're used to doing this all day, every day. We run and run and run and we catch and pass and throw and defend over and over and over again. And so Mississippi State will be physically fit when they get to Baton Rouge. I don't know that LSU can can simulate what Mike Leach does in practice with their scout team. And so when I begin to think about this ball game, we talk about getting the game to the fourth quarter. If we can get this game to the fourth quarter, Mississippi State has a real chance to win the ball game. Now, if the game is over in the third quarter, it might be a little different deal because I think then LSU begins to kind of run the football and try to salt the game away. But if we're in the ball game in the fourth quarter, I think we'll win the war of attrition. We may not win on the scoreboard, but in order for us to have a chance to win – we have got to stay within striking distance to get this game to the fourth quarter when all of a sudden every other play you got somebody that was you know you know sucking air tapping the top of their helmet saying coach I got to get out of here give me a blow give me a break one of the things that I have uh, heard from people in the industry that have had to cover Mike Leach's teams and opponents they say everybody talks about how, what an irritating experience that it is because it's not traditional football over the course of the ball game, you're going to be asked to do things on tired legs over and over and over again. And the great teams make those plays. And people say, well, you know, we're out your own guys. That, that's why we platoon offensive line. That's why we're going to have eight receivers. We're not just going to settle with three or four guys. We're going to rotate because we want to have fresh guys going out there. And you know what? Some of those guys, too, may not catch a lot of passes. But if they go out there and they, they run Derek Stingley to death, 
and all of a sudden, then all of a sudden Stingley's a step or two slower, when we bring Terrell Shavers back in, that's a win. That's a team win because everybody's got value. Everybody, everybody has a role in the scheme. It's not as simple as, okay, let me just go out here and go to the motions and hope for the best. you got to go out there running wide open or you're not going to get on the field. I still think it's rather interesting Tyrell Shavers wins over Osiris Mitchell. My hope is, is that this lights a fire under Osiris. And listen, he's still going to play a lot. He's not going to sit on the sidelines and watch. He's, we're still expecting him to go make plays. But my hope is that uh, we kind of end up with code number ones. And, and Leach said it could have been or. But I kind of like the fact that uh, Shavers gets the nod because I think Osiris is very capable. And I think Osiris has been inconsistent at times, but I think that he shows the flashes. I think he has some real potential. And perhaps this will encourage him to take the next step. I think it's really cool, and I I look forward to getting down there and covering the ballgame. And so on Friday, we're going to get together. We're not going to talk a whole lot about State OSU. We're going to talk a lot about the SEC and kind of what to expect. And I'll update you with anything else that we kind of uncover. We'll have another media opportunity this evening. And then it's time to start packing. You know, got to get the cameras charged and that sort of stuff. And even now, we're not going to be on the sidelines. But, uh, you know, we'll be in the press box and we'll have live updates throughout the ball game and uh, eager to get back down there. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, if you have never been to Tiger Stadium, if you're a fan of SEC football, you got to go to Tiger Stadium. And listen, I get it. The fans are obnoxious and the fans are obnoxious everywhere. They're probably a little more obnoxious at LSU because most of them have been drinking all day. You know, I remember Jackie Sherrill said once, they asked him about, do you think you catch a break by playing LSU in the 11 o'clock game rather than playing them at night when people have had all day to party and drink? And he goes, no, because then they just stay out all night, Friday night, and come on to the game. You know, and that's funny, but it's true. <laughs> so, uh, it'll be I'm eager to see, you know, what's the game day atmosphere like down there. And, uh, of course, you know, it's not going to be what it has been. But uh, I was told yesterday Mississippi State and others will play crowd noise during the game. There are some restrictions on that. I mean, you can't go out there and just kind of simulate what you've had before. But uh, there will be some crowd noise out there that is kind of responsive to plays and that sort of stuff. Very similar to the cowbell rule. So it's like once everybody settles over the center, all that's got to stop. And so that's something to kind of look at as we kind of move forward with all this. And I understand Mississippi State will do that next weekend and then kind of evaluate it and kind of go from there and see what's next and what adjustments need to be made. So the next time that um, we have a hump day show, Alpha Dogs, the book, will be uh, in possession of the publisher. It's supposed to be supposed to ship tomorrow, or tomorrow Friday. And uh, they'll offload it on Monday, and then I'll be signing books. And then if you have pre-ordered a book, it'll be put in the mail. They're already getting the boxes and all the mailing labels and getting all that stuff together. And then I'll sign them, and then they'll slide them in, and then they go off to the mail. And uh, so if you haven't done so, a lot of people were kind of waiting around or whatever. You know, you can go to Alpha Dogs, the book. That's D-A-W-G-S, alphadogsthebook.com. If you can't find it that way, go to starkvillainsthebook.com. They all go to the same place. And you can order the books and uh, get them personalized however you'd like for me to, to write them. And I uh, understand there's not going to be the, the same big book tour uh, there has been the last couple of years. And, of course, I'll do a lot of dates in December because of Christmas. But uh, hopefully a lot of this virus stuff will be behind us. But we, there's, there's no guarantee. But I'm not going to put my health and my family at risk. And I don't want you to do so as well. But I know a lot of people reach out to me and say, Steve, I, I really want to go wait until there's a book signing so I can get a picture made. And listen, I want to do that too. But there aren't going to be as many this year. 
Let's go ahead and prepare you for that. They're not going to be as many. I mean, even the MSU Alumni Association not really having a lot of in-person meetings. I'm doing a Zoom call with uh, one of the local associations on Monday. And so if you really want a personalized copy, then uh, you need to go to alphadogsbook.com and go ahead and get it ordered. And I'd, again, I'd love to see you and, and get our picture made, and you can tag me, and, and uh, hopefully my hair looks good. But, um, but I, I can't promise you that we're going to be nearly as, uh, you know, available this year. You know, last year I think we did five states. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're going to do that this year. You know, I, I'm going to be covering college football and then um, got to be working on some other stuff. i got another book coming out in the spring, not Mississippi State related, but uh, nevertheless I've got a lot of other things going on. And so go to alphadogsbook.com, pre-order your copies. And that's the thing too, you don't have to wait long now because if you order them now, we're going to have them here in a few days and uh, we'll get them in the mail to you. And a lot of people message me and say, hey, Steve, when should we expect it? And everybody's been so great. Uh, we're going to get all of them in the mail next week before the Arkansas game. So they'll be in the mail, and I'm going to do some signings that Saturday in Starkville on game day. But remember, there's only about 15,000 of you that can come rather than the normal 61,000. So um, you know if you're going to be here or not. I'll be here. I hope that you guys uh, have a great weekend. we got more football to watch. Uh, we got more food to eat. And uh, I hope that everybody gets ready to go. Because I've had some people tell me, you know, I'm just not really excited about football yet. You know, once the Bulldogs, once it's game day and we take the field and you get to see our guys out there running around and you see that maroon and white, it's going to bring that back out of you. Because a lot of people just said, you know what, I don't think it's days that are going to happen. And once it happens, it's kind of like graduating high school. It's like I've been in school for 12 years. I can't believe I'm finally done. Then it happens. You're like, oh, well, now what? Now we get to go enjoy some things. And so this day is finally here for us, and uh, I can't wait to get down there. I'm ready to see the Bulldogs play, and I think you guys are as well. But I think once we get this first one under our belt, then we have a chance to kind of reconvene here in Starkville and play against Arkansas, and I, and I think we will beat them handily. I think people will get really excited about football again. So get in here with us, order some books, subscribe to the website. If you hadn't done so, go like our Facebook page. That's the Bulldogs 247 Facebook page. And uh, follow us on Twitter. We'll keep you updated. But uh, that's going to do it for today. And I'll be back on Friday. And, again, I'll probably record Friday's show late Thursday night. So uh, the late night crowd will probably get it first. And then when you guys are on your way to work, whatever, you'll have it. So there there will not be a delay on Friday. I will get it done on Thursday because I I have a full day Friday. So I want to make sure that uh, you guys are not – you're kind of victims of the fact that I'm a busy guy and we've got to get ready to go to Baton Rouge. So until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.